helping preachers to get better by this weekend. It's the Teach to Preach podcast with your host, Pete Kramer. Hello, friends. My guest today on the podcast is Pastor Doug Clay. Doug is a third-generation Pentecostal preacher's kid from the great state of Michigan, and he has a wide variety of ministry experience that he brings to the podcast. His ministry experience includes being the superintendent of the Ohio Ministry Network. He served as the National Youth Director of the Assemblies of God, as the Ohio District Youth Director. He was a senior pastor at one point in his career in Toledo, Ohio. But in 2017, he was elected as the General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God, which is the world's largest Pentecostal denomination. It happens to be the tribe that I'm ordained with. And so it's fun to have him on the show. But just to give you an idea of how big this job is, there are 13,000 Assembly of God churches in the United States alone with a worldwide adherence of 67 million people. So he has a lot of responsibility on his hands, and he has a incredible opportunity to bring God's Word to places all over the globe. But down to the heart of it all, Doug is a husband, a father, a grandfather, an author, a pastor, and now he's a superintendent, but he really is just an all-around good guy. And I thought it'd be fun to have him on the podcast today to talk about preaching to the choir. Every so often, preachers will be invited to share God's Word with other people who preach for a living. So what is that like? How can you preach to people who've heard it all before? So our conversation today is super practical, and I know you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. So please listen in and enjoy my conversation on the podcast today with Pastor Doug Clay. Well, Pastor Doug, thank you so much for taking your time away from your busy ministry schedule where God has you planted around the world. I am honored and really thrilled to have you on the show today because uh, for those in the listening audience, just so you know a little bit about myself, maybe you don't know this from my bio and the Teach to Preach website, but I'm an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God, and we have many Assembly of God pastors who are listening into this episode today, but I know there's a significant number of our audience who comes from dis- different places around around the church globally, and so uh, Pastor Doug, Thank you so much for being on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about your ministry as General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God and where that takes you around the world? Yeah, and thanks. And thanks for this focus on on preaching. I really do think it's it's critical in today's culture. And we'll talk about this later, but I'm, I'm most excited about the return to expository preaching from the shift that we had maybe in the last 10 years, moving from sort of a what do you know to how do you feel approach to ministry. But yeah, I'm Doug Clay, 55 years old, third generation Pentecostal preacher's kid, born and raised in this. My dad died when I was nine years old. Um, so I was raised by a single mom in a local church. I grew up with a healthy local church Um experience. You know, my pastor was a great preacher, always filled with content and had good practical application. Um, I graduated from uh, Central Bible College 1985, jumped into student ministries, was in youth ministry for about 15 years, pastored in Toledo, Ohio, then became the district overseer superintendent in the state of Ohio for four years. Um, And then 2008, joined uh, Dr. Wood's leadership team here at the national office as general treasurer. And then coming up on a year, October 10, it'll be a year that I'm a general superintendent, you know. And so, 
Yeah, it's a, it's a fun, it's, it's, you know, I'm still learning. You, you wear about five hats. You're the CEO of this building. We have about <laughs> 700 employees. You're the districts. We have 67 districts. Our structure has, has districts pretty much geographically by state. Some are aligned with language and ethnic. Um, then you're the, you're the world as some as a God, um, leader, although wow. it not uh, technically people still look to AG USA. It's kind of interesting. Here's a fun stat. You know, when you say, Hey, I'm a part of the assemblies of God, what people don't realize is 95% of the assemblies of God is outside the United States. Wow. That's incredible. In fact, yeah. In fact, there are 10 times more assemblies of God churches in the world than there are McDonald's restaurants. That's amazing. So we're sort of this, uh, without apology, kind of recognize the favor of the Lord, this missional entity. So it does. The, there's a lot of varied minister. I'm in different churches on weekends, different parts of the country throughout the year. So it's fun to see the body of Christ in action here and around the world. That's incredible. It sounds like, you know, for those who are listening in, the pastors and preachers, the uh, responsibility of ministry just scales uh, sometimes as you are more seasoned in the ministry. I won't say getting older, but as you're more seasoned in the ministry, because you talked about wearing a couple of different hats, even in your role as general superintendent. And I know for those pastors and preachers listening in, I was painting all day because we've been renovating space here at the church. So I had a paint gun in my hand. And uh, uh -huh. so there's always hats to wear. And one of those hats that we get to wear is preaching and proclaiming uh, God's word. And uh, certainly yeah. you've been able to do that in your years of youth ministry and in the, in the state of Ohio as well. But I imagine now in your role as general superintendent, you get to preach in some pretty, pretty cool places. So I'm just curious, just as a sidebar here, what are some of the places or where are some of the places, I should say, that you've preached that you've just enjoyed preaching God's word. Sometimes it's heavy to preach God's word and you're like, whew, I'm glad I only have to do that once. But then there's times where you're just like, wow, that was a fantastic experience. Sure. Do you have places like that that come to your mind? Yeah. And you know, uh, because we have so many different genres of expression and worship and style of AG, it's, it really is different every week. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so this last week I was in a, a really mature um, church plant. They're about 18 years old. They're in the Valley in Phoenix doing phenomenal job, a younger clientele. But the week before that, I preached in an African church, a Ghanaian church that was highly, had a lot of the highly cultural um, style and music and all of that. The week before that, I was in what, what I would call one of our historic churches that, that had mm -hmm. more high church liturgical. So uh, I I actually, I enjoy that. Maybe it's my ADD, you know, I don't know, but I, I kind of, all right, what is the, what is the, um, what's the style? What's, I don't want to just use DNA. What's the genre of that church? And then uh, try to, try to really um, make sure that my presentation of God's word uh, can fit there. Not that I'm compromising either uh, either a, a preaching style or a preaching substance, but I want to make sure that it, it connects. So if I'm sitting on a stool and 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 unpacking a point, or if I'm walking with a microphone in a, a highly charismatic setting like an African church, I want to want to make sure that I'm I'm sensitive to the sort of the chemistry within the house. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know, that actually kind of goes into the next question that I wanted to pick your brain about. Can you give us a little peek into your sermon prep process? Um, you know, historically through the years, are there places you go to study or is there 
uh, you know, some some people when they sermon prep, they like a big pen and yellow paper yeah. and and an open Bible, and that's where it starts for them. But can you give us a little bit of a peek into your sermon prep sure. process? I'll I'll start with the high philosophical approach, and I'll get it right down to the practical. Do I manuscript? What do I highlight? What do I bold? So. You know, I'm, I'm very committed to probably three things in every time that I um, that I teach. Now, this is beyond, I think, a question you're going to talk to me in a few minutes about preaching to preachers. But as it would relate to a Sunday message, I want to ask myself, you know, three things. Number one, is this biblically accurate? And is is what I'm teaching have some biblical accuracy? Is there is there enough scripture in this message that if people aren't connecting to either an illustration or me, boy, they can wrap their man, I can wrap my mind around Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and guide you. So so is it biblically accurate? Mm. Secondly, I always want to make sure it is culturally literate. Culturally literate. What I mean by that is um you know, and I choose literacy versus relevancy. Uh, relevancy, you know, we can fight hard to be so relevant, we lose our relevancy. But cultural literacy sure. says you understand the mindset and the makeup of the people you're teaching to. So, for example, if I'm in a if I'm in a brand new church plant that's maybe led by a millennial leader, but's filled with a bunch of Gen Zs, then all my grandpa, papa stories, stories that connect to maybe my boomer mind. I, I got to think that through. So, or likewise, if I'm in an agricultural community, yes. but I'm trying to use urban illustrations. So, so I, I think it is really important to culturally be literate where you're bringing the word of God. The, four, the third thing that's really, really that's important good. to me is the practical application. So, for example, I, I mm. preached this last Sunday from the life of Job. Uh, the teaching was entitled Unexpected Adventures. Sort of the thesis of that was, uh, you know, life is full of unexpected adventures. I mean, nobody gets nobody gets a pen with an eraser and gets to eliminate all the adversity out of your life beforehand. I mean, it just is what it is. So we walked through how did Job handle his unexpected adversity and what are some ways that we can emulate from his life. So I, so I tried to bring practical application. No, you may not have lost your livestock or all your kids in a tornado, but you might have lost your kids mm -hmm. in the faith or walking away. So, so making sure that the, the practical application really slides under that biblical accuracy. And so those are sort of my three High level. Now, when it kind of gets down to the practical, yeah, I, I try to figure out, okay, where's my, who's my audience? You know, where's it at? So if, if, if I'm working on something new, I'm still pretty much old school. I get some paper pens. I start writing. <laughs> I, 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 I keep, I keep, um, a version of the Bible that I can go to a lot of different versions, ESV, NLT, message. So I have that there. And then I have an illustration file and, and I'll say to myself, mm. okay, man, I want to help people. The, I want people walking out Sunday. Yeah, this is how I can handle an unexpected adventure. So I go start with that end in mind and work my way mm. back. And so with each of my points, and I'm still pretty um, traditional, I'm not, I'm not as narrative as, as more as I am an outline, but that fits me. That just fits my sure. personality. If, if you're to say, Doug, sure. ask me about... Uh, Picking a car. All right, here's three things. So I, I live in that sort of list world. 
So I just decided be who I am. And <laughs> so good. I'll sort of create, you know, my list out that's of that good. scripture. Want to make sure. Um, and I, I try to make sure that with each point, each point, there's a aha verse like, wow, I never saw that one. Hey, that, that really ties into there. Uh, if it's generosity. So I want to always, because biblical literacy is huge to me. So if I have a fault, yeah. I probably throw yeah. too many verses in, but right yeah. now I'm okay with that because that's really the vision of our house. And so then I'll scratch it all out, scratch it all. And I probably have two or three iterations of it before I'm done. I'll take a manuscript to the pulpit with me, but most of the time, um, I've been no, I've been blamed for the best is not the bold. It's not so much the stuff that you bolded, but kind of the stuff that's inspirational. Um, the reason I did that is I have a box of mm. my dad's sermons. I my dad died when I was nine, and he wrote in longhand, and so I have I have a big old box of his sermons, and half of them I can't make Heidner hear because I can't read his handwriting. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to start this process of manuscripting and and then ultimately typing up the message. So someday, if any of my kids or grandkids kind of get into this uh, calling, they can at least see what I was thinking. That's cool. I actually do something similar to that right now. I have my Bible that I got when I was ordained, and inside that Bible, I use that very specifically to highlight all the passages that I have preached uh, since I went into the ministry. And so every time I preach a passage, uh, whatever style I'm preaching, I'll go through and I'll highlight that. So uh, if the Lord calls one of my kids into full-time ministry and they're going to preach, then I have something I can give them, a legacy piece I can give them. But also, um, I do the same thing. I actually manuscript out all of my messages, and then I have them archived and sorted. And I'm kind of I'm kind of a type A nerdy list keeper. I'm not saying anybody else is, specifically my guest on the show. But I keep lists, and I like to keep things pretty orderly and pretty, uh, pretty sorted out. And so that way, I can pass that on. I think that's so cool, though. You know, you have your your dad's sermons and just being able to sort through that and wow, what does this even mean? It's kind of it's kind of a fun process. But one of the big reasons why I wanted to bring you on the show is uh, I think anybody who's been in the ministry longer than five minutes, or it's just a common phrase I think in our culture, is this idea of preaching to the choir. Um, you know, many preachers we have the task and the responsibility and the pleasure of preaching and proclaiming God's word to people, maybe people who've never heard the gospel for the first time or people who are still growing in their faith. But there's a different dynamic when you're called to preach to preachers. And I know in your ministry responsibility, that's an opportunity that you have to be able to preach at ordination ceremonies and church dedications. And I mean, there's plenty of opportunities for you to preach where specifically the audience is preachers. And I think that, uh, you know, if there are ministers who are listening to this, pastors and preachers who are part of a ministerial alliance in their city, they're going to have an opportunity to share God's thoughts with other people who are in the ministry with them. And what kind of unique challenge does that present uh, to you or to other preachers who are listening to this who may have the opportunity someday to preach to the choir or preach to other sure. preachers as no, it that's a great that's a great question um i would i would say again if you if you make sure there's biblical ac- accuracy you know uh, cultural literacy then then sometimes the practical application might be different for a pastor 
than it would be uh, a typical layperson that's not in full-time vocation service. So if you use the if you use the message unexpected ventures from yesterday, man, you could talk a lot about that and parallel with some of the ups and downs of ministering a local church. But if I'm going to go mm. to a minister's retreat, if I'm going to go to a, a district event where there's primarily pastors, uh, I really try to accomplish a few things. Number one, I try to be inspirational. In other words, I want to feed their soul. You know, most of the time, week in and week out, you're giving, you're giving, and you're thinking, how do I feed my flock soul? You're thinking, how do I? And so I want to, I want, I want it to be inspiring. Good. Like, man, man, that's, that's a secondly, I want it to be motivating to the calling. I kind of want to, in the presentation, stir up the gift. Like, wow. Okay. Yes. I, mm. this is why I said yes to God. This is why I'm So I want their, not just inspiration to the That's soul, good. motivation to the calling, but then for me, it's very important. I want to present stuff in such a way that it's material that they can use with their staff or their boards. So I always, A, make it available, but think to myself, all right, could that pastor take this and walk it out among a staff? Uh, recently with a group of pastors, I did a session on how to encourage yourself in the Lord. So not to be so conference dependent or uh, an association dependent, but how do you just really, like David said, hey, why are you so downcast? Oh, my soul, put your hope in God. It just, how do you, how, how do you encourage yourself? So there was some transparency yeah, to personal good. disciplines. There was some walking out, some principles. And the goal there, uh, a lot of times in ministers' retreats, I've kind of got this little reputation that I'm going to hand out a hand, uh, sort of a shiny note card or a, uh, uh, yeah, just a, 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 a handout that's not a piece of paper, that it's a, it's a laminated kind of note card. And my goal there, my goal there is I would love a minister okay. to walk away and go, okay, there's some material I can use. I'll contextualize it to me in my setting, but I can use that. Yeah, that's really good. You know, I, I've only had a couple opportunities where I've been able to share with other pastors, and I think one of the fears that I've run into before, and eh, maybe fear is stretching it a little bit, is like, man, what in the world can I tell these guys they haven't already heard? You know, or like, you know, or we kind of all maybe go through the whole like, you know, I'm I'm the least of these. I'm not sure I should be the one speaking when you know guy A or gal B over there is a much better communicator than I am, and so. How does um, how does the pastor prepare their heart um, when they're going to step into the pulpit? Just give us some kind of broad brushstrokes here and be inspirational, be motivating to the listening audience um, on this podcast here. Um, sure. Maybe there is some who are listening to this and they're going, "Oh man, I you know I haven't been to a conference. I need to encourage my heart." Um, maybe recapturing that passion for preaching and proclaiming God's word. What would what gift could you give? Yeah. Uh, I didn't prepare you for that question at all. <laughs> I think two things. I think, number one, for me as the communicator, for me as the communicator, I got to declutter my I got to declutter my mind and my heart so that I can have the opportunity. I can have the opportunity um, to read the room. You, you know, or be led by the spirit, however you want to associate it. I, I always want to make sure I'm seizing the moment to provide a rhema word, not just a prepared word. And that's not to say that a prepared word can't be a rhema word, if you know what I mean, but sure. just kind of the, that spontaneous. Then I think as a person who's setting and listening, um, 
if you're able to be that lasered, that lasered in uh, um, reading the room, they're going to pick up, okay, this isn't just a canned uh, political stump speech. There's, there's yeah. really speaking to me. I guess as the communicator, you can't really control on the receiver end's time. But here's what I do know, and you know this, Pete, everybody, you know when you're dry, you you know when you've hit a wall, you know when you've kind of sure. just run its course. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say when you know you're in that season of stale, dry, whatever, be sure, be sure to do something about it. Nobody else can kind of nobody else can lead you to to the water to drink. You got you got to do it yourself. You got to recognize, okay, I need some sort of recalibration to happen here. Yeah, that's a good word. I know uh, we had a, a podcast episode last year where we were speaking with a pastor from Chicago. His name's Ron Heitman, and he was talking about that very subject about you know how do you stay fresh for the long haul? And sometimes the distractions of of ministry and the five hats that you have to wear um, can get pretty daunting, and you never want to compromise that time and preparing not just the message, but preparing your heart to preach that message to whoever it is that God is has given you to preach. And so um, that word of encouraging yourself in the Lord, I think would be a a great word, especially for a lot of pastors who are listening in, who might be in a season of discouragement or in just kind of a, you know, they feel like they're hitting a ceiling with their preaching or they're hitting a ceiling in in their own walk with the Lord. And um, I've, I've sat down with some people before where we've had this conversation of how do you how do you stay encouraged? And I remember my pastor years ago talked about just washing yourself in God's mm-hmm. word and falling in love with God's word again in those dry times where you just say, you know what, I'm going to take half the day and I'm just going to go read 30 or 40 mm-hmm. chapters and just enjoy mm-hmm. God's word again and let and let the word of the Lord and the spirit of God refresh me in this moment. And I think there's a lot of power to yeah. that. Yeah. So. So let's do this. This is one way I like to kind of land the plane on these episodes. Uh, if you had to think through everything that you've shared today, and, and maybe there's still something hiding there in the back corner, but what is one thing that the preacher who's listening into today's episode can do to better prepare when they are presented with the, the opportunity to preach to other preachers? Sure. I'd say, uh, number one, be yourself. Just be yourself. God didn't call mm-hmm. us to be a carbon copy of somebody else's ministry. So uh, certainly you can learn. There's various styles to learn from. There are list preachers, narrative preachers, you know, highly charismatic. And, and so I, I learn, study, observe from all of that. But when it comes to the ultimate act of preaching, uh, be yourself. And, and I say when it comes to preaching, mm. um, Know who you know who you're not as much as you know who you are. You know, a lot of times we try to compare, and and uh, I did that early on in my ministry. But when I kind of got comfortable in my skin with who I am, and I didn't have to mimic some uh, highly creative uh, expository preacher, I didn't have to imitate some highly motivational mission speaker. I could really, I, I, when I got comfortable in my skin, people got comfortable listening and following me. So. Be yourself. Not only know your strengths, but know your weaknesses. Yeah, that's a great word. I, you know, I've only recently in the last couple of years come into that place of, 
Man, I, I've been consuming a lot of material from these other preachers, and I love their style, or I like the way they present things, or I like the way they apply things. But when I got into the place of, okay, this is who God made me to be as a communicator, as a preacher, um, and you know, as just a man of God, this is who God built me to be, and being comfortable in my own skin, it really, there was a dynamic difference in, in my own preaching at that point, too. So that's a great, that's a great word. Yeah. So, Pastor Doug, I just want to say again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and encouraging preachers all over the world who are listening in. And thank you so much for listening to God's voice and God's direction uh, in the middle of that chaos of life and transition and this kind of amazing ride that God has taken you on. And thank you for giving leadership to our fellowship. I'm blessed to be a part of the Assemblies of God, and and uh, we pray for you, and we're, we're just thankful for you. So God bless you, and thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks. Appreciate this time. 